welcome to the Contemporary Indigenous Art Podcast Series, Episode 2. After having traced, in the first podcast, the path that led to the affirmation of the contemporary indigenous art within the Brazilian art scene through exhibitions held in the country, but also by joining the global movement of indigenous artists through participation in international exhibitions, the second episode analyzes elements that differentiate this art from the Western art system. Let's start with a different understanding of what art is, what is its function, who creates it, and how, and for what spaces. The stories collected denounce the violence and racism of the Western art system and of academic production, where the West extends beyond the limited considerations of the North, Europe and North America, but to a model rooted in the Southern Hemisphere too. The artworks presented highlight the repetition of some themes, such as gender issues, structural racism, land belonging, denied histories of oppression and stigmatization, a searching for identity, but also the claim for recognition, care and respect, as well as the need for normality, as openly expressed by Arisana Patasho from the Patasho people. For us, those who want to be indigenous artists, art is just one of the many forms of expressions. We don't circulate only in the art, at least I don't. But like me, I believe most of the indigenous artists we transit through many other spaces. We are not just artists. We are mothers. We are daughters. We are wives. We take care of the house. We take care of the school. We take care of the children's homework. We help at school. We work elsewhere. We take care of daily life in our communities. So, what is art? The two immediate differences that catch the eye when observing indigenous art in relation to the Western art are First, the non-existence in the indigenous cosmology of the word and concept of art. The frontier between art and politics as theorized by Jacques Rancière and Nicolas Borio, simply has no reason to exist when, as Ailton Krenak says in an interview, I don't perceive the separation between living and making art in none of the thought matrices of the original peoples that I have known. Everyone I know dances, sings, paints, draws, sculpts, does everything that the West attributes to a category of people who are artists. For us, there is no difference between art and life, or art and resistance, as well as in the West, where art is an instrument of power in relation to other human beings, says the Nilson Baniwa in an interview. All the artists share the same feeling. The word art does not find translation in their native languages. According to Dayara Tucano, if there was a word for art in the Dasseye Tucano language, the most appropriate word would be Hori, as it represents the perception of the world in its colors, shapes, and vibrations. Hori is the miração perception and visual expression, which is present in the material and spiritual world, in the visible and invisible. This does not mean the indigenous people do not have art. On the contrary, perhaps, it simply means that art is for them everywhere. 
an art field of cosmology and meanings, which is finding an increasing space of expression and circulation in the contemporary art world. Maria Inês de Almeida, who curated the show Mira, says that for indigenous peoples, the idea of producing art only arises from contact with the globalized world. Because before, in the culture of these peoples, art and life were the same thing. There was no such separation. At the same time, the indigenous gaze is imprinted in each of the works, since these are works that demonstrate the integration of artists to their cultural roots. As confirmed by Graciela Guarani, member of the Guarani Kiowa Nation and one of the pioneering indigenous women working as a filmmaker and cinema curators in Brazil, in the Western world, we need to look for a nomenclature for something that we have always produced and today we call art. Because these nomenclatures are now inserted everywhere, we need to give names to everything. So this condition of art we have practiced for a long time since the beginning of our existence in the conception of how we see and feel the world. As a consequence of this understanding of what art the Western distinguishes between art and artifact, between art and craftsmanship, does not make sense in the indigenous understanding of the world. According to Edson Kayapó, indigenous professor and curator of the Museum of São Paulo, What I am understanding more and more effectively is that indigenous art is not detached from our day-to-day realities, from our spirituality, from our individual identity, from our way of being. For us, they are artifacts that we can take from the gallery and use it in our kitchen. They come with our ancestry. In addition to this aesthetic, that is linked to something that is of our daily use, there is also an aspect that going back further in time, it has to do with our ancestors and our ancestry. It brings meanings that are valuable to us, from a spiritual point of view. Likewise, says Cassia Borges. People think that we make handcrafts. It can also be from the perspective of a non-indigenous person. But we don't make a distinction between one object and another object. The non-indigenous make this difference. But for indigenous people, everything is art. Everything mixes. What is art for? For indigenous artists, art is a political action that wants to produce effect on existing power structures and on the people who benefit from them. As the Nilsson Baniwa states, fighting living and making art are the same thing. According to Naini Terena, I see curating as a political act, especially in Brazil today, when indigenous people's rights are constantly being threatened by the federal government. Art functions as an instrument of struggle for indigenous communities. It's up to the curator to make this vibrant production visible and to bring it to as many people as possible. According to Graciela Guarani, Our insertion into various artistic languages in which we act and we exist as indigenous people passes very much through this place of this political engagement. Today, as a curator, 
from this place where we discuss the existence of many different artistic languages and to make others understand the works we create. This condition is truly subversive, as we're using indigenous arts to achieve the subversion of the realities we find ourselves in. Unlike an exhibition or a work of art, which acquire meaning while isolated from the common world in a gallery or museum, these works merge the artistic with the political by adopting more communicative skills rather than the simple aesthetic of the art. According to this logic, Jider Isbell affirms, Our art is meant to safeguard life. It will never be to entertain. It is to weave the colored threads of life that are in our hands. Indigenous contemporary art is exactly that, that literal ability to interact with the idea of beyond. The beyond for us is right here, different. The beyond for the non-Indigenous world is something really beyond. Respect is what makes it part of our art. We are only in this art stage to talk about the existence of our systems. We will never want anything more than to let others know about the existence of our systems. So our art system will never be separated from life or put aside for mere observation or sale. According to Naini Terena, the major difference in comparison to non-indigenous art has to do with the relationship with the market. Some works by indigenous artists have no price, for example. And confirmed by Muara Tupinamba, Describing the Museum of Kukuruna, a community museum project originated from her artistic work, Museu da Silva. What I did with the museum was more of an activist action. This work will never enter a museum or an art gallery. It will never be sold. The activist and political character of art is not just an adjective, but establishes the essence of the work their artistic practices, and their indigenous struggle. For Jider Isbell, art is only a weapon to be used to be able to fight on equal terms with the thought of the white who attach value only to purchasable things. They destroy the bourgeois myth of the individuality of the artist, the passive character traditionally attributed to art, and the non-accessibility of elitist spaces dedicated to art that characterize the Western art world. In this sense, Jaideris Bell states that the task of indigenous artists is not simply to discuss decolonization, but to deconstruct it. He clarifies, the second option can give us a more energetic and active meaning than the other, which ends up leaving us only with the passive field of validating a theorization. Of a similar opinion seems to be Dayara Tucano, from the Tucano people, who in a debate at the Museum of Modern Art of São Paulo declares that more than decolonization, referring to the works of indigenous contemporary artists, we should speak of counter-colonization. According to Tucano, it is the whites who deal with decolonization, while the indigenous and black people exercise actions of counter-colonization. While the West still seems to have to do a great deal to decolonize itself, in fact, in Europe, the more we hear about decolonizing art institutions, the fewer spaces we see occupied by non-white, or women, or LGBTs. 
the breath of fresh air that the world of indigenous art offers in an ever more greedy art landscape lies exactly in how these artists approach it, with no intention of being engulfed by it. When speaking with indigenous artists, it is not uncommon that they often define themselves as communicators as well as educators before being artists. Education is central to their practices, both as curatorial and artistic creations. It manifests itself both as the need for the education of indigenous people, where protection, care and healing are central components, as well as for the appropriation and disavowal of a story told in a distorted way by the voice of the only Western narrator. In accordance with the pedagogical aim, the Escola Panapana is an indigenous school organized by the Nilson Baniwa as part of the Projeto Octógono Arte Contemporânea at the Penacoteca de São Paulo in 2023. It consisted in an installation of three floors that accommodate classrooms of indigenous languages and cultures, arts and music. In Baniwa's word, I think that maintaining indigenous schools is to create possibilities for more interesting things to develop. According to the Nilson Baniwa, When I started, I didn't have any reference of indigenous artists. So today I understand that indigenous people who are occupying these art spaces have a certain responsibility with indigenous people who are wanting to enter them. We know that it is very disputed, this space in the arts. It is a bit violent and very segregated. So while I am here with my fellow artists, we try to prepare a space for reception of new indigenous artists. Also, to discuss how Western art frames the indigenous presence in the well-established Brazilian art scene. On the other hand, Baniwa's work denounces the distortion of the reality by the West, in the past and the present, and creates a new story. This commitment became especially explicit in his exhibition Reinventing the Americas, Construct, Erase, Repeat, held at the Getty Foundation in Los Angeles. The artist challenges the views of European chroniclers, illustrators, and printmakers from the 16th to the 19th centuries, similarly as he did with regards to Portuguese colonial history in his projections on the colonialist monument to the Bandeiras in São Paulo, affirming, Brazil is indigenous land. In defining his work, the Nilson Baniwa says, In my collective work and broader research, I can say that I work with a perspective of inserting artists and discussing what indigenous art in Brazil is. A similar educational commitment is shared by Arisena Patachó. I work on a project for the recovery of the Patachóha language, the language of my people. We produce and design teaching materials to be used here in the community. For me, this also enters into this idea of producing art. Sometimes we think not, but producing is being together with other constructions, other movements. Doing many other things in the community itself is part of the creative process. 
Another indigenous claim is their affirmation of belonging to the modern world on which Western universalist modernity wants to maintain its monopoly. The claim is expressed in many forms. Ayuton Krenak, in commenting on the work of an English photographer in 1994, asked, In treating us as populations that are disappearing, how do you see us like dinosaurs? According to Cassia Borges, we, indigenous artists, have been always placed in the past. Indigenous art, everyone thinks it's dead. Acting as an alive political act, the artworks of these artists oppose their placement as something static, of the past. A past that does not find meaning in indigenous cosmologies, as Isbell describes. The past will never exist for us, as well as the idea of the future, or any other time, than the eternal. The contemporaneity of their works is also proved by the topics that they deal with. Graciela Guarani says, It is through these works that we often see all the urgency placed within the themes. They are not simply works for the sake of beauty. They bring very urgent themes, like the one of climate issues, to the very issue of safeguarding indigenous cultures. These are questions that guide my work. They are denunciations of different contemporary exploitations related to natural resources and consumption are extremely conscious and current. They address them through a macro-political and economic criticism that expresses their own contemporaneity as a dialect that opposes the values at the base of the contemporary organization of the capitalist system. As clearly demonstrated by Jaider Isbell's performance, Charter from Indigenous Peoples to Capitalism, realized in front of the Union Bank of Switzerland in April 2019. The rights of indigenous peoples around the world are connected to environmental justice. This is why art and activism are seen as contributions to struggles for indigenous sovereignty and climate justice. This is the case for Uira Sodoma, a non-binary artist from the Munduruku people of the Amazon. Sodoma uses performance as a tool to raise awareness of riverside populations for the defense of nature and social-environmental sustainability. Emerson Munduruku, the name beyond Uira, is a biologist working today as an art educator for teenagers and young people from riverside communities. Using their stories of riverside people and the forest as inspiration, we create art, they say. Since in indigenous cosmology there is no difference between art and life, or between humans and nature, indigenous artistic production sees a much stronger presence of nature than Western art. It is the result of a more direct coexistence with environmental disasters caused by neoliberal extractive policies of natural resources in the world and South America, as the Amazon situation made evident. Many works denounce exploratory development models promoted by the predatory extractive activities 
of the Western patriarchal colonial capitalist structure. The theme of structural racism is always present and declined by each artist according to their personal story. Thus, global themes also extend to what we would call indigenous feminism, which remarks on the centrality of women in indigenous societies. The gender issue is faced within the conflicts inherent in the intertwining of colonialism and patriarchy. On one side, through the affirmation of the role of women's self-determination in society. On the other side, through a strong female presence among cultural workers. Moara Tupinamba, from the Tupinamba people, develops, for example, a series of depictions of female kabokla shamans, while Dayara looks at the theme of motherhood and the mother earth, which is feminine. The language of cinema also offers an interesting angle of observation on how past and present, tradition and modernity can coexist. According to Graciela Guarani, Today, the understanding within the territory of the process and the importance that the image has is completely different from what we had some time ago, when simply taking a photo could cause discomfort within the community. In addition to Graciela Guarani's production, other filmmakers are establishing themselves. Two Yanomami women, Aida Harika and Josiane Yariana, are producing significant works. Among them, the last film, Tuwe Pihi Kui, A Woman Thinking. Based on the tale of a young indigenous woman, Another aspect that differs from the Western conception is about authorship. Most of the work and exhibitions are collective works resulting from the confluence of conceptions and concerns that are raised collectively. According to the Nilson Baniwa from the Baniwa people, to be indigenous is to create something collective. With a similar aim, Graciela Guarani looks at her own work with cinema. The experience of working not only with my people, but with many native peoples of Brazil, is an experience for me very far from that of authorship. For me, it is a big part of the existence of my own being. I appropriate this too of the cinema, this place gave me the power to make this projection, not only with my work, but also with the work of other relatives as a way of being in the world, of being able to see and see that our existence, it can be perpetuated. The Movimento de Artistas Hunicuin, Maco, based on Ibe Hunicuin's research on the sacred chants of Ayahuasca, called by them Nishipai, does not exist except as a collective experience. As Cassia Borges from the Karaja people explains, Starting from these chants, we translate his chants on canvas because we draw what he sings, but each of us has a different interpretation. There are several types of miração. Maku is an open collective whose profits from the sale of works are destined for the purchase of land, 
for which they have the slogan I sell canvas, I buy land. Their practice reminds us of the Congolese CATPC, an artist collective of plantation workers founded in Lusanga in 2014. The collective is famous for creating sculptures made from cocoa sourced from different plantations throughout the world. The proceeds from the sales of these works have been used to support the reclamation and transformation of former plantations into biodiverse nature and other ventures. The collective will represent the Netherlands at the 2024 Venice Biennale. Another concept shared by many artists is that of the preservation of culture through the care of the collective memory of that culture, whether it be a material or immaterial memory. As in the case of Moara Tupinamba, who is describing her artistic research project, says, The idea was precisely to bring this issue of valuing the history and memory of each person into the project, in order to make all the people involved in the project to start going after their indigenous history because they weren't valuing it. So, it was very much a matter of valuing this story, to bring it into your own making, to understand why you make that craft that way. The traditions and spirituality of the peoples to which the artists belong occupy a significant space in their artistic productions. Dayara Tucano investigates the visions she achieves in her dreams by studying them together with her community and family. Dreaming is a central aspect of indigenous relation to the world. It is dreams that guide people's waking lives. As for Kariponi Yermolei, artist from the Karipuna people, his work is inspired by indigenous mythology rooted in their existential universe. Transporting materials and ancestral techniques to a worldview where the real and the imaginary merge. In describing Yermolei's work, The professor and curator Edson Capayo affirms. Yermolei says that much of what he produces has to do with dreams, in the perception of the dreams of the Karipuna people in the spiritual world. He dreams, and from the dream he produces canvases. He produces the wedges, he produces a whole series of arts, and he has an extended domain to talk about his creation process. Cultural objects also gain a special look in Dayara Tucano's research, such as basket work, weaving and body painting. Body painting is also present in Cassia Borges's artistic practice. She says... My grandmother, Karaja Alisi, used a stick made from a coconut tree to paint people. It was so subtle that it looked like she was leaving scars on me. Obviously, it was Jenny Papu, but for me, it was always as if she marked my skin. So I translated it onto ceramics, but in reality, they are body paintings. My work has always been body painting, profound in terms of marking my identity, as if I didn't want to forget my identity. Preservation and care 
are central in the remaking of the Tupinamba mantle by Gliceria Tupinamba from the Tupinamba people, a work inspired by a Tupinamba mantle from the 16th century that is conserved in the archives of the Musée du Quai Branly in Paris. As Gliceria says, For the Tupinamba people, the mantle represents the revitalization of our culture, our language, our production, our techniques. The mantle has been revealing secrets. The confection of the mantle carries knowledge guarded by the Tupinamba women, weaving, braiding, the use of various utensils, mainly the needle from Tukun, and preparation of the cotton thread. In the past, it was done on a spindle, with beeswax. It is interesting to compare a work that is frozen in a museum and see the piece with life and movement. In this case, to see the mantle being used by a member of the community. The Kasiki, during a ritual. The making of the mantle also has a strong political significance. Dayara Tukano has also referred to the Tupinamba mantle in her work Katiri e Oru, Espelho da Vida, presented at the São Paulo Biennale in 2021. According to Dayara, the oldest indigenous pieces that exist are all in Europe, including these Tupinamba mantles, which have become European and not Brazilian heritage. They can't even come back here because they are very fragile. They are caged inside glass. For me, this feeling of prison in which they find themselves is very marked. A painful feeling shared by Cassia Borges, who says, Until a few years ago, in Brazil, there was only indigenous art in the ethnographic museum. And then, it is enclosed inside a glass that even those who are looking at it cannot participate in that work. These showcases literally separate the viewer from the work. It is a stark contrast to the racist argument as part of the Western debate on restitution regarding the inability of former colonies to preserve their cultural heritage. It is precisely this active connotation of practice and contact as a constant transit that defines a different concept of art that is opposed to the unnatural distancing and enclosing imposed by the Western spaces of the arts. So, who creates art and for who? Consistently with this understanding, Moara Tupinamba describes the Museum of Kukuruna, a community museum project originated from her artistic work, Museu da Silva. The museum is in constant change. It mustn't become an archive. The archive is important, I know it is, but I want the museum to focus more on the role of imagination, and then I'm going to dedicate myself more to painting than to organizing the photos. I think the photos play a very fundamental role. They are very important for recording history and memory. They are important to make people understand 
that your family really exists. This is ridiculous, but unfortunately, it seems to be the only form that non-indigenous people understand. But this approach ends up going through an anthropological side, and I am plenty aware of the fact that I don't want to fall into this side. Also because many of the images are images of violence. But I do not want to look at this space of violence anymore. It's already happened. For this reason, for me, it is more interesting that the community itself builds its own museum and that they are building it as a current living museum, placed in the contemporary world, based on what they are doing now. Often, familial bonds characterize the making processes of the art, where art could become the activator of identity affirmation. Continues Moara. It was my cousin who introduced me to the community where my father was born. I was recognized by the elders as Mr. Pedro's granddaughter. Then everyone called me a relative. Every time they introduced me and they start telling me their stories. That's when I started archiving and recording in a very rudimentary way, with a cell phone. So the majority of the recordings were very bad. But I wanted to record more for myself, as research material, without ever thinking about any exhibition. Similarly, Arisana Patasho describes the making of the project Refugio, Refuge, as a triptych inspired by a personal moment, which refers to mourn, but also to fight. The two words in Portuguese are written the same, luto. During the pandemic, my mom moved to the bush. I was going there with her and my nephews. The road is of red soil, and we had a lot of things, a lot of bags, blankets, food. And after a while, I thought, I'm going to film these people. I always carry my cell phone, and I end up filming a lot of everyday things. Whether in video or photography, I do this a lot. I record all the time. Even if I don't show it anywhere, not even on social media, it stays with me like a memory, and sometimes it serves as production material, like in this case. Central in these artistic productions are the personal journeys of their authors, as they strive towards defining and affirming their identities. As reaffirmed in the United Nations report, State of the World's Indigenous People, the idea of citizenship includes not only political rights or economic resources, but also the right to self-determination, visibility and cultural influence. As remembered by Edson Kayapo, I come from a generation where we have no reason to be proud of belonging. I felt very comfortable when they thought I was Chilean and they couldn't identify my belonging because in Brazil existed and still exists a lot of hate and racism. In Brazil, being indigenous was synonymous historically with genocide, suffering persecution, suffering violence, being executed, and this happened for centuries and still happens today to a large extent. 
For all these reasons, we did not have reason to be proud. In my time, people were afraid of being recognized as indigenous. But at the end of the 70s, there was a big turnaround. When indigenous peoples decided to organize themselves to confront this violence and violations and fight for rights, rights of belonging, of speaking our original languages, rights to live peacefully in our original territories. We achieved legal recognition for these rights, even if the Brazilian state has many difficulties in implementing these rights. But in any case, faced with the organization of national indigenous movement at that time, we have today a situation of pride, or a search for pride. Nowadays, we see a youth that is proud of belonging, and this pride appears very evidently on social networks. The youth making their speeches with their traditional clothes, their headdress, speaking in their original languages, and then, in the middle of all this movement, the artistic movement appears. As in the words of Graciela Guarani, Speaking from the place where I find myself acting, the cinema, from the first moment we entered this place, we had to establish rules to stay inside the cinema where Western people understand it and understand the works. This inventiveness that we have, which is typical of our people, of our culture, It comes very spontaneous because we are aesthetically very artistic, in our traditional clothes, in our celebrations. The artistic that I say is very natural. That's why I say that this artistic side comes long before we arrived in cinema, but we had to adapt to be able to be in this place. And to enter this space, we had to limit our creativity a bit. Informed by their personal histories and experiences, Art becomes a journey for self-affirmation and a healing tool for advancing the struggle of the next generations of indigenous people. As for the artwork Indigente, Indiogente, Ingineate by Arisena Patasho. According to Arisena, it spoke about the fetish of the European look on the indigenous people. Since the 19th century, when Europeans began to make these expeditions and began to take not only images of indigenous people to exhibit, but also people to be exhibited in circuses, museums, or the body to be analyzed in the laboratory, so those people were displaced from the territory as indigents. Like people who don't have a family, who don't have a relationship to the place, people who don't have their habitat. So the work questions this. The artwork questions this. I made a joke about the word indigente, in English, indigent, which in Portuguese resembles indigeno. I added a letter and it becomes indiogente, that says indigenous are people, which is a question that many people ask themselves. Bolsonaro himself said in an interview, they are increasingly becoming more people like us. That comment caught my attention. The other word is indigenate, which means becomes indigenous. It is a request to non-indigenous people. It is an exhortation to be empathetic with the indigenous cause, to put yourself in the shoes of the indigenous, to learn more about the context of their life.
their own curatorial work seems to be heading in this direction. As affirmed by Edson Kayapo, For us, it is very beautiful to see our relatives being artists at MASP, at the Louvre, wherever, affirming that we are human and we are producing art that has to do with our lives and our spirituality. For us, indigenous Brazilians, this is very significant. And it is a great pride to have indigenous curators, because never in Brazil did they think that indigenous people could be artists, curators, writers, philosophers, scientists, airline pilots. And today we are gaining this visibility, and people are realizing that we have the rights to be whatever we want to be, and to live wherever we want to live. We can live in the city, we can live in the villages, we can live in the universities, in the bush. And the fact of living anywhere does not imply that we are no longer indigenous, as the fact that we are artists or curators does not imply that we are no longer indigenous. On the contrary, it means that we are putting our foot in the world of resistance, to say that our resistance will take place in all spaces and ways, including in the field of art. According to the Nilson Baniwa, there is a great emergence of indigenous presence in the art world in Brazil. And it is not just artists. My concern is the lack of curators, critics, editors, restaurateurs, a shortage of people in fine arts schools, a huge number of professionals from the art world, and this is an emergency, as there is hardly anyone with training in these areas. Those who are occupying these spaces today are somewhat obliged to dedicate their own work to facilitate a space for other people. United by a history of social exclusion and the erasure of their history, the strength of these trajectories consists precisely in treating indigenous artists and curators no longer as simple spokespersons for subaltern experiences, but as active and self-determined subjects in the construction of a more democratic society and a less self-referential art world. This is the case with the appointment of Edson Kayapó, Cássia Borges Carajá and Renata Tupinambá as the Museum of São Paulo new curators at large of the indigenous art. Together, they were responsible for advising the museum regarding indigenous art and artists, as well as curating parts of the exhibition Indigenous Stories in collaboration with the Code Bergen Art Museum as part of the museum's ongoing Historias series, which was started in 2016 under the artistic direction of Adriano Pedrosa. Historias Indígenas presents different accounts of indigenous stories from South America, North America, Oceania and Scandinavia through art and visual culture curated by artists and researchers who are indigenous or have an indigenous descent. It received a share of the $250,000 Sotheby Prize, an invitation to maintain high levels of attention and critical surveillance of the interests behind the delight of the global art market in indigenous art.
aware of the harshness of the environment they face. The affirmation of these voices requires an emotional support structure. In the words of Graciela Guarani, it is also very important to be able to understand that these cultural transits that we make in other societies that are not ours are very difficult. It is very violent, it is very painful, but it is very necessary. As stated by the Nilson Baniwa, the indigenous movement experience has prepared us for these situations because this art space that we are entering is super violent and it is self-centered. We try to deal with this and try to build another way of dealing, of talking, of making alliances, of creating things in another way. And this is very difficult, because the entire power structure of arts and the art market in Brazil was built over many years and it is very solid. When someone different or who thinks different things arrives, he or she is generally removed. That is what happened to Sandra. She entered with a Guarani thought into a space where the Guarani thought did not fit at the moment, and she was alone. We talked about the need to not leave anyone alone, because alone you are being swallowed by the violent system. It happens everywhere, or at least in most places. We also don't have training in curating, but we share the same space as people who have studied fine arts and curatorial processes. We are all coming without this basic training. Our learning is a day-to-day -day learning, in experience, in new studies. It is super difficult not only for us as indigenous, but for black, non-binary, for everyone who does not meet this standard of training. It's all very strange and very violent. It's difficult to place yourself in these spaces without receiving retaliation, as what happened to Sandra. So we talked about establishing our strategy in which we are always supporting each other, not leaving anyone alone in these spaces anymore. It happened a lot with Sandra, and we don't want it to happen again. But while we are in this space, still information, our presence encourages indigenous people to prepare themselves to occupy this space with a more qualified and pleasant experience than the one we had. Sandra Benitez was the first ever indigenous person to serve as a curator in a Brazilian museum. Benitez resigned in 2022, alleging that MASP, Museu of São Paulo, was censoring part of her curatorial work for the exhibition Histórias Brasileiras. The show was to feature materials linked to the Landless Workers' Movement, MST, a Marxist movement that seeks the redistribution of land as a means to account for various forms of inequality within Brazil in a section titled Retomadas, Resumptions that was removed from the show entirely. At the moment of her departure from the institution, she declared that her present seemed to be more in the service of an image of a diverse museum than an interest in her work itself. After tracing this panorama of understanding, aims and themes, it seems that indigenous artists, in a similar way as black African artists, are making concrete the idea of the common and of care 
in contrast with the competitiveness that characterizes the road of art and Western academic and cultural productions. If discussions about participatory art, engaged art, political art, the colonization of cultural and artistic production, and deinstitutionalization of art and cultural institutions are nothing new in the academic and art discourse. Indigenous and black artists from the South, based on their ancestral reference and their context of struggle, devour in an anthropophagous movement as reframed by the Nilson Baniwa recalling the anthropophagous modernist Brazilian movement, Western contemporary art. They question artistic languages and, above all, the very concept of art and the contemporary, historically determined by Western universalist criteria of non-indigenous society. We are witnessing a moment of great change. While the 1928 Anthropophagic Manifesto continues to be a subject of discussion among white people, the indigenous and black contemporary re-anthropophagy radically subverts the order of the discourse by placing non-white productions at the center. The purpose of this podcast series on contemporary indigenous art was to provide an overview of the rise of the art movement in Brazil and its establishment in the international art world. Through interviews with some of the most prominent voices of indigenous artists, curators and professors in the Brazilian art scene, We have presented different understandings of what art and curatorial work is according to indigenous cosmologies. Their personal trajectories, as well as the issues addressed by their artworks, state as their art cannot be disconnected from a political and activist commitment to their communities.